what would you do if you needed to come up with $500 to fix your car right now? Would you be able to do it? Like many Americans, you may not have adequate savings. Here's what you can do to start building an emergency fund for a rainy day. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here, as always, with Miranda Marquit. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing very good. So we have an issue throughout the country, and it's a savings issue. We aren't saving enough. Uh, We don't have enough for emergencies. We don't even have savings and checking accounts. Right. And that's one of the problems. According to a bank rate survey, uh, most people would not be able to handle a $500 emergency. So if your car breaks down or if you need to replace your washing machine or, or anything like that, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And the thing that's really interesting to me is Generation X, that's us, <laughs> Gen Xers are the worst. Wow. According to the survey, one third of the people between the ages of 36 and 51 have nothing in an emergency fund. Millennials aren't doing that great either, but Gen Xers are the worst. Emergency fund versus savings. What's what's the difference there? Are we are we talking about all savings in general, like anything saved beyond what you need to pay, you know, your bills this week or are we talking something very specific with an emergency fund? So a lot of the time when we talk about emergency funds and when we think about emergency funds, we're talking about an account that is specifically set aside to handle the unexpected expenses of life. So we're talking about the things like the car breaking down, the washing machine breaking down, the fact that suddenly you find yourself stranded on the side of the road and you need to get home somewhere. So we're talking about emergencies like that. And we're talking about a fund specifically earmarked for that kind of a thing. So uh, when they talk about an emergency fund, a lot of the time we're not talking about your retirement account or your long-term savings or some goal that you're working for. We're talking about emergency type situations that just crop up out of nowhere and that can really turn your day into a bad day. So if I understand what you're saying about Generation X specifically, is that they might have savings, but they don't have anything earmarked for emergencies. Yes. The data we're looking at on this specific thing doesn't quite go in there. But yeah, specifically, they're talking about an emergency fund. Okay. Um, Yeah. So yeah, but they're saying currently 47% of Americans said they either could not afford an emergency expense of $400 or they would cover it by selling something or borrowing money. Mm -hmm. And that was something from the Federal Reserve Board's Division of Consumer and Community Affairs. So that's the Federal Reserve Board saying 47% of people can't afford $400. Yeah, and and that goes beyond just Generation X. That is the mm-hmm. uh, entire country. This is this is a yep. major problem. It is uh, it's a national problem. Yes, definitely. So the first step is getting some savings together at all, even just you know anything beyond the what you you know the what you need to pay 
to survive day to day. Just having any type of savings, whether you'll use it for an emergency later on or whether it's not earmarked for that, is, is really the first step here. We have to get beyond this paycheck to paycheck living. Oh, yeah, for sure. And a lot of the time people are like, I don't have enough money to save. I mean, I remember I was there once. I was like, I can't save any money. I don't have enough money to save. It feels like $5, like if you have five bucks, it feels like that's not worth saving. But the bottom line is you have to start somewhere. And it's more about the habit than it is about the actual amount at some point, you have to say, okay, I'm going to start this habit. I'm going to start somewhere and I'm going to do this right now. So you take that five bucks and you put it in a bank account and you get started. And if all you can do is set aside a dollar a day or 10 bucks a week or whatever it is, the important thing is that you're getting in the habit and saying, okay, I need to make saving a priority and I need to start building this fund. Yeah. And I think one of the important parts of getting it into a bank account, and whether that's at a credit union or whether it's an online bank or whether it's just something other than a jar in your house is it gets that money away from you. Uh, It creates a separation just a little bit. So there's more of a chance of you actually saving that over the long term instead of just spending it right away. Yeah, definitely. You want it out of sight, out of mind, that old saying. Hey, I remember, I mean, the moment of shame, like the biggest shame of my existence was probably 10 or 11 years ago or so, we used to do this thing where we'd put pocket change in a little jar and it was meant for our son, right? It was like our son's little, like little savings thing and, you know, take it down to the bank when the jar gets full and, you know, it's exciting. He gets to watch them take care of it and put the money in this account for them. And so we, we've ordered pizza. We realize we have no money. There's no money in the, the bank account for the debit. There's no credit. We, we've maxed out our credit cards and all that's sitting there is this jar of cash, like coins for our son. And what did we do? We, we ordered the stupid pizza anyway. And then we raided our son's little Mm. coin jar. (laughs) That is, and that is seriously, I think probably the biggest shame ever of my life because it's like, come on. And eventually, of course we, we paid it back. It was, but, but who, who, who borrows from their kid's piggy bank? Apparently at least 47% of Americans. That's who. Yeah. I I think that is a common theme, even taking into account the fact that a lot of people aren't putting their money in a jar for their kids. You know, I, Um, For those who do, I mean, when push comes to shove, you're going to find that cash within the family, however you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of Americans are just wary of using the financial industry to save their money as well. There is distrust in the industry. Uh, You already mentioned the fact that people don't open accounts because they feel they don't have enough money. But it seems like there is quite a bit of distrust of traditional financial companies. You know, we deal with that all every every week. There seems to be something new in the news about another bank that has been caught red handed doing something to their customers disadvantage. And lately it was Wells Fargo who had opened accounts for their customers without the customers knowing in order to uh, receive more bonuses uh, as employees of the bank. Um, Of course, all these scandals just go to really dampen the public's perception of the financial industry. And it's completely understandable why so many people want to avoid 
saving, traditional saving, traditional checking, anything that involves the financial industry. Yeah, and that's too bad that we have these large institutions that engage in these behaviors. Although I think one of the beneficiaries of these recent scandals has been the credit credit union movement, because it's smaller, it's local, it's more regional, and you have the chance to go in, like you could sit on your credit union's board. There's things like that that can help you maybe overcome this reluctance to get out there and open a, an account. You don't have to go with a Wells Fargo. You don't have have to go with one of these big companies that have kind of betrayed the public trust in a way. You can go local. You can go to small regional banks or credit unions and open accounts. And one of the things that you know, I did over the summer was help participate in our friend Jason's road to financial wellness. And, and all of his events took place at credit unions and local places. And my parents have been banking at the credit union that we did it here in Idaho Falls for, you know, like almost 30 years. So there are solutions to that uh, if you know where to look. And one of the places to start is your, your local credit union. Yeah, I think it's interesting how companies that are public, um, or that means they have shareholders and their shares are traded on a public exchange, sometimes the needs of the shareholders, the people who actually own the company, are slightly different than the needs of the customers that that company serves. And in a perfect world, everybody's desires would be the same, and what's good for the customer is good for the shareholder. And I think I think a lot of companies try to head in that direction, but there are times where especially, you know, the the pressure of Wall Street will cause companies to make decisions or the people at the head of those companies to make decisions that serve their shareholders and Wall Street a little stronger than they serve the customers. And sometimes that's where we get into those bad decisions. Now where credit unions have a great advantage is that they are not public companies, they are owned by their customers. So the needs of the customers and the needs of the owners of the company are basically the same. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. So if you don't want to open up an account at a big bank, you do need an open account somewhere and you do need to get those emergency funds started. So consider something like a credit union or there are non-traditional kind of places. I use digit.co to automatically take small amounts out of my checking account and deposit them into savings. And so that's one way to do it. And uh, so there are kind of some non-traditional methods of doing a savings account if you don't want to go with one of those big banks. Yeah, and anything is going to be better than having to borrow at a high interest loan, like a payday loan, if an emergency comes by. Anything's going to be better than having to put an emergency on a credit card. Anything's mm-hmm. going to be better than keeping cash in your home. Um, you don't want that. That's that's a huge risk. I mean, a lot of people think that they're, you know, avoiding evil companies by just keeping their cash on hand all the time. But holding on to money is a lot less secure than putting it into a safe place like a bank account. Right. And one of the things you do have to worry about as well, if you're keeping it at home, is not just you raiding your son's piggy bank, but also theft. You know, I mean, most of us are probably not going to experience a home invasion. But in case you do, I mean, 
it's not secure. At least at a financial institution like a credit union or a bank, these are federally insured institutions where if something happens and, and they carry insurance for theft and, and they carry all of these kinds of insurances so that if something does happen, you can usually at least get your money back. Nobody has ever lost money in a savings or checking account. It has never happened. Even when banks go under, the FDIC steps in and everything is taken care of. Usually, usually banks don't just completely disappear. Usually they're bought out by other institutions and then those institutions will make sure you have access to your money. Nobody has ever lost money by putting their money into an FDIC insured account at a savings at a savings bank or a checking account at a bank. Uh, the same thing is true with credit union organization that provides that insurance, but it's the same situation. You can lose your money if you keep if you hold on to it. If you keep your cash in your wallet, there's a better chance of it disappearing either through spending or from someone taking it from you than if it is in a bank that is insured by FDIC and they all are. That's right. So now we know where we can get started with our emergency fund. How should we set that up? I think the important thing is getting that bank account open and having a savings account, either at a credit union or a bank. Maybe it's earning a little bit of interest. I know the interest rates are very low right now, but at least it's somewhere where it's accessible, but not immediately available and tempting you to use it somewhere else. This should be the basis of your emergency fund. Right. And as you kind of grow things and become more comfortable with it, you can start getting a little more creative with your emergency fund. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep my long-term emergency fund in a taxable investment account. And this is the actual truth. <laughs> it's where I keep it. So that means that if it's in a taxable investment account, that if you need to get to that money and I'm assuming this is perhaps the second tier for you. The first tier is going to be in a short-term account, like a savings account that you know mm-hmm. you can access immediately from an ATM or from, you know, or from writing a check or whatever it happens to be, a savings or checking account. That's the first first tier of your savings. And then the taxable account, that, you know, it's it's the same for me. I mean, if if I need beyond the amount of money that I keep in my checking account, if I need it quickly, I can probably get it within one or two days by selling investments that are in my investment account. Right. Yeah. And and so one of the things that I do is I actually keep my short-term account that the first tier is like we're talking about in a savings account that's so-called high yield, which isn't high yield. I remember the days. Do you re- you probably remember the days too when you could get 5% on your savings account? Those were the glory days, yes. Those were the glory days and now it's like, ooh, 1%. Sweet. <laughs> but yeah, so I keep 3 weeks worth of living expenses in my short-term account. And that pretty much gives me enough that I can handle pretty much any emergency. And if I need to live off of it for three weeks, I can. And that also gives me plenty of lead time to, as you were talking about, turn to my long-term emergency savings account, which is in the taxable investment account. And then I can go ahead and, like you said, sell some of my investments, get the cash and, and move that along. So I have stock index funds that I can sell, bond funds that I can sell. 
these these are all different types of investments that can be easily converted into cash if necessary. I'm hoping it won't be. I do have enough set aside in cash to last me a while, if possible, if for some reason something happens. But again, I mean, you never know what kind of emergencies are going to crop up. Um, and uh, this is why you have other things to help out, like insurance, uh, health insurance, and long-term care insurance, if that's something that's going to be a concern for you. Lots of different things are set up. And there are some investment types beyond the taxable type that would be good, too, like Roth IRAs. Yeah, so I actually know people who use their Roth IRA as a backup emergency fund uh, because with the Roth IRA, you actually contribute with after-tax dollars. So you do not get a tax deduction when you make your contribution. However, the money does grow tax-free over time, and when you reach age 59 and a half, you can withdraw without penalty and you don't have to worry about taxes. However, in the meantime, with a Roth IRA, uh, while you can't withdraw the earnings – which you know is the money that your money makes. You can't withdraw your earnings without penalty, but you can withdraw the original amount that you put in. So if you put in, you know, five thousand dollars into your Roth IRA and say it's earned enough that now it's worth six thousand dollars, you can withdraw any of that five thousand dollars after a certain period of time without penalty because it's the original amount you put in and it's after tax money. You can't touch that thousand dollars that's sitting there growing tax free, that extra money that you've earned so far through returns, but you can tax I but you can access not <laughs> you can access that original money that you put in. So I do know people who use their Roth IRA as a backup emergency fund. But it's not always but but you do have to remember that the advantage to long-term retirement investing is the time it spends in your account. So when you take that money out, that means that you aren't earning interest on it. So that is something to keep in mind. Yeah. Now let's, we need a dose of reality here because the fact of the matter (laughs) is that most people who are going to succumb to financial emergencies and for those, those who have real problems are also less likely to have investments that they can tap. They're less likely to have savings. We already noted how few Americans actually have savings to tap in case of an emergency. So it's great that we're talking about this tiered, plan for emergency savings, but how do you deal with the situation when you don't have that? And I think a lot of people turn to whatever they can find. Um, Well, of course, friends and family, if there's a support system there, that's always a place to go and people do go to that place. But again, a lot of people don't have that. They turn to selling what they can, uh, selling what they own in order to come up with funds right away and they turn to credit you know i even consider credit cards a small piece of an emergency plan it's not one that i would have to tap but if you have complete control of your spending you have complete control of your finances a credit card can be a good tool for time shifting basically as long as you you can avoid interest by paying your full balance by the time you're balance becomes due. So in some cases, it can be fine using that as an emergency fund. The problem is when one emergency happens, often other emergencies follow. There's that snowball effect. And I know because I experienced that when I was 
<laughs> first living on my own, trying to figure out my ways as an adult. Um, and I was having financial difficulties. I was ignoring them. I lost everything. I lost my apartment, lost my job, uh, lost my car. And it all just spiraled down. And that is where I had no choice but to lean back on my support system. And thankfully, I had family who could help out for the short term, get me back on my feet, and get me moving again. So all of that has to be considered in your emergency plan. It's it's not just about the money. It's about the support. It's about setting yourself up so you can handle those emergencies like a lot of times an emergency uh, occurs because you lose a job. Well, your employability is part of your emergency plan too. You want to make sure that you can jump in and get a job at any time. Uh, So having the skills and having the education and gaining the experience and being able to present yourself well, those are all important parts of your emergency plan as well. Yeah. And I think you make a really good point. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier too with insurance and a lot of the time, we don't like to think about insurance, but it can be very helpful. Um, uh, the right insurance coverage for your car can mean less expensive repairs, or it can mean if, if something happens and your car is totaled, it can also mean that you can get a, another mode of transportation to get you to work or wherever you need to go. Health insurance is important as well. And, you know, other types of insurance uh can also be useful. I have disability insurance that helps kick in if something happens and I can't write for a long time. Uh, And I think, you know, and and you also mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, well, not everybody's going to have investments right now. And that's true. Uh, You may not. But if you start thinking about, you know, the whole issue and start putting together a plan, you can build toward that. And I think it's important to, to, to realize that, um, you know, you can have these goals to work toward and you can say, all right, I'm going to start now and I'm going to put a little bit into a savings account to get started and I'm going to build that up. And once I reach X dollars in the savings account, I'm going to try and put what's beyond that into an investment account and kind of go from there. So you can do this step by step, uh, but the important thing is to get started. Yeah. And I think the key is just making that initial step and finding The one place that's going to work for you, whether it's a local credit union or whether it's simple or a bank, whatever it is, just open the account and almost every institution has, you'll be able to find something that's free. Whatever you do is going to be cheaper than all of the alternative banking options that are out there, like having to cash your checks at a check cashing place or at Walmart. It is so much better just to have your money that you receive from working deposited directly into a bank account where you don't have any fees, Um, you know, because otherwise you'll be paying fees when you Uh, cash your money, you'll be paying fees when you try to pay your bills. There are, and these are so easily avoidable. If you, if you do just a little bit of looking around, find the local credit union, find what they have to offer you and, and just open the account there, even if it's with $2, really just, just, just get it done. Because once you have that, you'll be able to start building on it. Yeah. And I think when you're looking to start an emergency fund, some of the most important things to consider are liquidity and access, right? Because so, those, yeah. that's, that's what you need. 
So liquidity and access are are very similar. I mean, that's just the idea that you can get to your money when you need it. You don't have to wait. And the most liquid you can have is cash in your home where you can just grab $100 if you need to and deal with something immediate that comes up. And, you know, we said earlier, don't leave so much in your home, but it's good to have a little bit there because that is absolutely the most liquid you can get. Um, If someone comes to your door and and presents some kind of emergency to you that you have to deal with, you can deal with it right there without having to go to an ATM even. Yeah, and I think that's important too. And I I like to keep cash. We have a little document safe with our important documents and some emergency cash because if you have a situation where you have to leave your home quickly and you don't have time to stop at an ATM, having that cash is important. I remember the summer after my junior year in high school, uh, we were getting ready to go on this big three-week family vacation. And the day before we left, there was a huge earthquake in California and it took down the power grid uh, throughout the Western United States. So we started off, this wasn't like an emergency emergency, but we started off on our family vacation. Uh, There was no access to the ATMs. Uh, All the power was out. But my parents had, you know, kept some cash on hand that they had kept in a document safe. And so they went ahead and got that out so that we could get started on our way and have the cash that we needed. I mean, I mean, this was serious. I mean, you know, the credit card gas pumps were down, all of that kind of stuff. So being ready for those situations is very important. And part of that is, like you said, having some cash on hand at home. Yeah, it's it's absolutely necessary to have some. And, you know, I would just stress not to have too much because even when there are some systematic issues like um, like the power grid uh, having issues or uh, blackouts. Generally, those are result- resolved within you know a, a short amount of time. But then again, people a little older than us remember you know the gas crisis of the '70s, where people were lined up at pumps and there were issues. You know the. Of course, the electronic payment infrastructure was not set up back then, uh, but there were other issues that people had to deal with. And certainly when there are emergencies like that, it, it creates this idea that we have to hoard things in case more events like this happen. And we just have to be careful not to hoard too much because for the most part, the system is good and we can have a lot of faith in it and it will work if something breaks. If something breaks down, it's usually resolved uh, in a short amount of time. But like you said, it's good to be able to grab cash and go if the situation just happens to be such that you need to do that. Another thing is when we're talking about access, part of that access puzzle, something we touched on earlier, is having it so it takes a little bit more to access, right? Your emergency fund should take you a little bit of thought and effort to access. Uh, One of the things I like to do is keep my short emergency fund in an account that isn't, it's not my main bank account. In order to access this money, I either have to like leave and go to the ATM or I have to transfer it and wait a couple days, right, for it to do an ACH transfer from the savings account to my main checking account. And the reason I do that is because it requires me to stop and think, is this a true emergency? Like a lot of the time we're like, oh my gosh, I need to take care of this right now when it's maybe something that we don't need to take care of. You know, what, what is a true emergency? Do you really need to get the money right now? 
Yeah, like you said earlier, out of sight, out of mind. You know, you can even, if you, if you get in the habit of tracking your finances, which I strongly advocate, then you can, you can even hide some of the money from yourself. So you completely forget that it's even there until, until something arises and you know that you need it and you, and you know, light bulb goes off and says, oh yeah, I put money in an account somewhere and I know where it is and I can access that even though I've forgotten about it and I've just kind of written it off as not existing. Yeah, I think automation can help with that. That's, I mentioned briefly, a digit.co. I really like that because they use an algorithm and they, you know, look at how much you could be saving and and take out the, the maximum amount you should a little bit every day. Um, and, you know, that money is somewhat you know, it's out of sight, out of mind because it comes out automatically. You do have to remember to track it later, but you don't think about it. And it's the same thing with my um, short-term and my long-term emergency savings as well. They're automatic withdrawals. They're automatic investment plans. So it comes out without me thinking about it. Yeah. And a lot of this relies on believing in the system and knowing that it's working for you. Um, at least you have to make it work for you. And you have to do the work to try to at least avoid any fees and uh, find the right accounts for you and set things up initially. But once you do, it makes things a whole lot easier. And uh, especially when we think about once, once you get to the point where you can start thinking about more than just what's in front of your face, what you have to do this week in order to survive, if you're in that space right now, it's very difficult to save for the future. But you can start very small. You can start with the coin jar. You can start with you know, one or two dollars a week into the bank account or the credit union account. And from there, it just builds until you're more comfortable with it, until you see that, hey, I didn't really need to use that money this week. It's building up its savings. And, you know, like like we both said, I mean, there were times in our lives when we do not feel that we have anything to spare, not even a square, no square to spare. So it is a mindset thing. There is going to be something. Um, a lot of the things that we pay for and we believe are necessities right now are not necessarily necessities. Some of them we can cut back in some areas. We can earn more money in other areas. We can do everything we can. But even in the situation that we're in right now, you can shave 50 cents off a day, a dollar a week, whatever it happens, whatever is possible, just just give it a try and see if you're really missing that once you put that money away after a period of time, after three months, and see exactly that it is possible and you'll be able to get it done. Yeah, so along those same lines, what are some of our do nows? What can somebody do right now to get started? Well, I think uh, one of the first things is to set aside the money, just like we talked about, and open that account. You can open an account with anything. You can find, if you go if you go and look at your credit unions that are local to you, you can take anything you have, whether it's a dollar, whether it's less, whether it's more, and just get it set up. You know, I look at my bank debit card, and it says customer since 1989 on it, which is, which is ridiculous, because in 1989, I was 13 years old. So somehow, 
I had an account at this bank when I was 13. Well, not exactly. I had parents who opened up a savings account for me and got me involved when I was very young. 13 happened to be the year of my bar mitzvah. I'm sure my first bank account was with a bank, and it involved money that I, that I received as a gift for, for my bar mitzvah. Of course, it wasn't with the bank that I have now. Uh, this was many, many years ago, and there's just been a series of acquisitions. But the account that I have now is still basically, um, at least one of the accounts I have now, is still basically the same account that I got when I was a kid at the age of 13. And a lot of the people who don't have accounts right now are those people who didn't, for whatever reason, um, their parents didn't do this step for them. They didn't involve them into this process. Maybe maybe their parents weren't in the banking system. Maybe they didn't trust the banking system. Maybe they didn't have money. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that it could be, but it's an important cycle to break and you just have to start somewhere and open that account and you could end up being better financially over the course of three decades. Definitely. Um, the next thing to do is look at your emergency plan. Is it working for you? Do you have a fund? What could be different? Uh, a lot of the time, uh, if you do have some sort of emergency savings, chances are you haven't thought about your strategy at all. Uh, you're just kind of throwing money there. Uh, so take a look at it. Figure out whether it makes sense for you to change things up. Yeah, and whenever we talk about reviewing something, I like I like to actually write it down. I think that's the important yeah. step. Other than just thinking about things and saying, well, I guess I could use, you know, the cash I have in the house first, and then I've got, well, I've got a credit card, and I've, I've got this fund that, you know, my parents left for me. Well, actually write it down and figure out what steps you're going to take. What do you access first? Um, what happens when that is used up? Um, how long it's going to take to rebuild it, and how much you want to have in this emergency fund or your emergency plan. And that's something we haven't really talked about on the show yet is how much do you really need to have? Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's going to be different for everyone. The rule of thumb is you need to have you know six to nine months, and some people say you need 12 months of living expenses. But in the end, in the end, the important thing is that you get started because a lot of the time, if you if you sit here and say, oh, well, if I don't have nine months worth of emergency savings, I've failed, uh, that's very disheartening. The important thing is you set some milestones and say, okay, my first goal is I'm going to hit $500 so I can take care of that situation. And I'm going to hit $1,000. And you kind of build from there. Yeah. And, you know, I think what people find, especially when they're struggling financially, is the emergencies just come fast and furious. I mean, it's just one after the other. And every time you think you've got your emergency fund full, something happens and it's depleted again and you've got to start from scratch. And getting to the point where you're not starting from scratch each time is the important piece. So you have to set things up in your life beyond just your finances, to be in a place where you can handle things as they come. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And if you are to the point where you do have an emergency fund and you're trying to figure out how to get it to do a little more for you, go ahead and experiment. Open a taxable account, move part of your fund in there and see see how you like it. See if it gives you heartburn. <laughs> see if you can sleep at night still. I sleep just fine, but some people can't. 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, different people have different tolerances of risk. They sleep better at night when they know they can access their money without having to put it into a risky investment or an investment that seems riskier than, as we talked about before, savings account and checking accounts that are held by banks are totally insured so that they will never lose money and you'll always get your money back. So we do have a listener question. I literally have no money to save. How can I free up the funds to prepare for an emergency? Literally no money. Literally no money. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that that's the case. <laughs> the skeptic. No, I, I remember being in that place. I remember being in a position where I was like, I have no money. I don't have any money to spare. I have no money at all. It's all gone. There's no money. There's no money at all. And I'm sure that there are people who are in this position and it, that's a really uh, real case. But you touched on it a little bit when you talked about the things that we consider needs that may not be true needs. When I was in that position where I was like, I have no money, we have all this debt, I'm sitting here, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm raiding my son's piggy bank for pizza. Well, they're right there is something, right? I'm raiding my son's piggy bank for pizza. Well, why am I ordering a pizza? Right? <laughs> why? Why am I ordering a pizza? There's perfectly good food sitting in the pantry that I can make. There's spaghetti. There's ramen. There's no reason for me to be ordering a pizza. I took a step back and I started looking. Well, what am I? You know, being realistic, a brutally honest look at where I was spending my money, and a couple things popped out to me. Uh, one of them was that my then husband and I said, oh, well, we have to eat out once a month for a date night because that's how we're going to keep our relationship strong. <laughs> you know, we, we have to go to a nice restaurant each month for our relationship. Yeah, no, if your relationship's based on going to a nice restaurant once a month, there's something wrong with your relationship, right? Um, but no, so, so we looked at that and realized, okay, well, that's actually something we don't need. And we had cable, I mean, these days, these days you probably don't have cable. Let's be real. You're you're streaming Netflix. Let's be honest. Uh, you're streaming you you're streaming Hulu, Netflix. You've got your Roku set up. You've got your Apple TV, whatever. But you're paying uh, so for you, these services. But you are paying for that service, and it's not a necessity. So seven ninety nine a month, that's something you might be able to free up a little bit. So kind of go back through and look. Where are you spending that money? Uh, you might be surprised to find that there are places you can free that up. So a lot of the time, we it, we're we're coming from a place where it's easy to say that things that we see as luxuries are luxuries, and you know everyone else down there, all you poor people, need to just focus on the necessities and forget about you know everything extra. But for a lot of people, life is only possible because. The, the only chance that certain people have at any quality of life is to use some of the money that they have to pay for things that might be seen as luxuries by people outside of the situation. So I think it's important to keep that in mind, too. But we just have to find a balance somewhere where you're able to, you know, prioritize the future, prioritize yourself in the future get to the point you're able to think beyond the immediate and put money away, even if it is 50 cents a week. You've got to start there. And you can start there. You can. And, you know, there, there are people who are working hard, multiple jobs in order to make just the bare necessities of what they need to live. 
But savings is one of those bare necessities. It has to be included and you have to find a way to do it. You know, not only to handle the emergencies that come up, but to make sure that over time you're able to have more flexibility because that's what that's what savings is all about. It's about having flexibility. Yeah, I think finding that balance is very important and it is important to look at your situation and no matter how little it is, you know, you might be surprised at some of the room that you do find in your budget or room that you can find to, as they mentioned before, uh, sell something. Heck, even if you go down to the uh, blood bank, you know, they'll let you donate blood plasma and they'll pay you anywhere between, depending on where you're at, 25 and $50. So that might be one way to free up some funds is kind of get out there and get a little creative. Yeah, and put it right in the bank. Yep. And on that note, please uh, leave us some feedback. Uh, do you have any other ideas for saving money and getting ready to handle those emergencies? Let us know at adulting.tv or on our Facebook community. Or just subscribe to our podcast and listen to us each week on iTunes or Stitcher or your device or whatever you or however you listen to podcasts. Just make sure you include us and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks a lot and join us next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.